1: But first, some news. As you know, the job of our show, Triangle 411, is to entertain, help, and provide information. To that point, we wanted to alert those in Cary, North Carolina, that the March 8 election has been changed to May 17, at least for now until some redistricting lawsuits are settled. I'm running for Cary Town Council District C, and you can keep up on the election date changes at my website, maryforcarry.com. And I hope this helps because it's so important to get the vote out. Now for that astonishing art project coming in March 2022. Can you believe it's 2022? Oh my goodness, where does time fly? Anyway, in March, renowned sculptor Patrick Doherty will lead a community art project to create a communal, monumental willow sculpture at Cary's Carpenter Park. Known as the Stick Wizard, Patrick has made over 300 willow sculptures all over the world. Together with his son Sam and a team of volunteers, He will weave tons of willow saplings into a natural wonder that visitors can enter and explore. Work will begin on March 7th and conclude March 25th. Patrick's works make a permanent impact with a temporary footprint that will remain in the park for about two years. Creating one of these colossal woven sculptures is a Herculean effort that couldn't be done without the help of volunteers. Participants can be part of the magic and help Patrick and his team create the willow sculpture. And we will tell you about those opportunities in a few minutes. First, let's get up close and personal with the artistic genius himself. Welcome, Patrick.
0: Hey, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on your show today, and uh, uh, I'm uh, really looking forward to talking to you.
1: Well, we are looking forward to talking to you as well, especially being known as the Stick Wizard. I want to talk about how you got that name and how you became involved with Willow Sculptures.
0: Well, one of the things is to say that I have a great website, and you can uh, see on that uh, where we've been in the last year and where we're going in the coming year. Of course, that will include Cary, uh, where we're working in in March, and really looking forward to working uh, with the city.
1: You went back to school in your 30s to to get into sculptures. Um, did, did anybody teach you this art with the willow?
0: Well, you know, it's kind of self-taught in, in its own way. Uh, you know, sculpture is about a problem-solving event and trying to make something beautiful. Uh, it just so happens that I chose a a kind of alternative alternative material, one that is available along the roadways and under power lines in North Carolina, where maintenance people are constantly uh, cutting this material down. And of course, urbanization produces uh, lots of saplings as well. And so um, I just practiced and, uh, and tried to imagine how I could use these uh, materials in a good way. Uh, of course, there's precedence in basket makers and furniture makers and all kinds of um, child, childhood play in which uh, you know, people learn to use sticks in interesting ways.
1: And uh, yeah, I guess there's a bit of child in all of us for this and, and that's why we might garner a lot of volunteers coming out on this project which we'll talk about later. but um, tell us in brief about the process, what it takes to create a structure. It seems very uh, very physical, very I mean there's just so many elements to it. Tell us a little bit about it.
0: Well, once we gather the materials or um, have the materials delivered uh, somehow, uh, and we come up with an idea, we lay the idea out on the ground and, as kind of a footprint. So we have a general parameters of what the, the piece should look like or how much space it should occupy, how people would use it. And, um, and then we um, dig a series of holes around the perimeter of that, that shape uh, we drill a series of, of, of post holes and stick bigger sticks uh, down in those holes, set a set of scaffolding around the whole mess, and start pulling the shape that we want. Uh, once the shape is established, um, we'll um, I'll work through it uh, with a kind of a structural weave, and that will set the form. And after the form is set, then we think about... Uh, the second phase is kind of the aesthetics of it and it's like drawing making a canvas and then drawing on it So the second phase is kind of uh, putting uh, a uh, kind of an elaborate surface that that really looks pretty good and then the third phase is the cosmetic phase that's the when you go back and try to do fix up and try to make it safe for people to walk through,
1: very interesting. Now, I, again, your website—I encourage people to go to it because it is amazing the structures you've created. And that's Stickwork.net. But, but just for our listeners out there, give us a few examples of the different types of structures you have already made.
0: Well, some some are more like labyrinths. Uh, some are towers. Uh, you know, sometimes we'll I'll use. Uh, uh, multiple elements to add up to a bigger piece uh, just finished a work down in Naples Florida at the Botanic Garden there and it's a, a series of four really large circles that overlap each other and so there's some kind of flying walls that that ride up over as one circle rides up over another um, and that has been incredibly popular uh, you know we've worked at the Wild Center this last year uh, made some kind of thing that uh, set down in a much more forested area where there were a lot of scotch pines and that gave a flavor to what we were making uh, down at the at sked and and uh, uh, savannah uh, uh, savannah college park design uh, we made a series of folding uh, a long folding piece that that looked like a maybe a, a children's book that was set as a as a car, set of cards and um, you know it, it was a kind of a series of repetitions uh, that ran about 120 feet or something. So it was a very large piece with lots of picture windows. As they as you walk down the the street beside it, you you know saw these kind of big picture windows there. And so um, you know it was great because people could go inside and look out, and then uh, the audience was even or the passersby were even more interested to see uh, how you know, you could go in and use it.
1: My goodness, that all just sounds spectacular. Now, what inspires you or how do you choose the design for different locations?
0: Uh, some Somewhat quixotic, you know, I'll get an idea um, maybe based on some uh, references in the landscape, you know, if they're, we've got a piece uh, down in, in uh, Charleston right now at the Gibbs Museum and uh, all you see in the uh, distance surrounding the piece are all the spires of the churches that, that are in, uh, in that town. So, you know, our piece is are kind of a series of spires that are falling one to one wall and one to the other uh, and are trapped in a very small, very tall space. So uh, sometimes it's just a reflection of, of shapes that are in the surrounding area. Sometimes, you know, it, get a wild idea about what it would be like to uh, live inside your your shrubbery outside your house, and you'll think, well, maybe I could make a set of shrubbery for this museum and people could go in and see what it was like. So, you know, there's just a raft of ideas that come up when a person looks at a site and what you need is a good starting point. Uh, once the parameters are set, you know, there's a lot of ad-libbing within that to kind of bring the uh, work to its best uh possibilities.
1: ad living is always, always the key to success in so many areas. So what are you planning? Give us a sneak peek. What are you planning for Carpenter Park and Kerry? Well,
0: I haven't come up with a real idea yet, but, uh, it will be in keeping with the kind of uh, pieces that I've been making. One is that I've got a couple of works before then. Uh, what I remember I'm doing just before I arrive in Cary has an effect on, or, you know, uh, has an effect on my thinking. One thing that's really important is the nature of the material. So if you come up with materials and most of them are short sticks, you know, you do one kind of thing. If you have a lot of really long sticks, then you're compelled to do something else. So what I usually do before I set the final idea is that I figure out what kind of sticks I'm actually working with. And then also I want to know who's helping me. So Uh, You know, I've got my son, Sam, who's my assistant, and then we have volunteers from the community. And so all of that adds up to uh, how much capacity those volunteers look like they're going to have and uh, what kind of organization we're working for. And um, so all of that adds up to, you know, potential resource. And so you set your project based on what you can do in three weeks uh, with the resources that you have. So some of that affects Affects it so much that it's a last-minute process to come up with an idea.
1: That sounds very complicated. I did not realize that there wouldn't be. <laughs> I expected all kinds of, uh, you know, layouts on this and so forth. But I get what you're saying. It would is dependent on so many different elements. Um, so, how do you know? is the the willow is it provided do you order a certain amount uh
0: Uh, and uh usually we gather but in this case in carrie we're ordering material from a willow farm in montreal uh they they've been very uh, uh great uh supplier for us over several projects because they have the willow is very even it's easy to work and it's really easy for the volunteers to use so um you know, if if the organization or the city can afford to buy the material, it's a easy resource to have. If you have to go out and gather, then you have to ask permission uh for one farmer or one developer or you know, sometimes it does a enormous amount of legwork to come up with a good site where you can gather a huge amount of material.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you've created these willow masterpieces all over the world. Tell us a few countries that boast your creations.
0: Well, I really enjoyed working in Australia in Melbourne. Uh, was able to work right downtown. Uh, built a, a kind of a huge temple-looking thing right on the street. And uh, it was very popular. Worked in Korea. I've worked a lot in Denmark and uh, worked at the... Home of Pippi Lundstocking in Sweden, too. That, mm. that was a favorite. Mm. At least the author lived there while mm. she was writing Pippi stocking. Wow. I have a museum there. So that was really fun to uh, uh, reference point. And uh, worked in England and Mexico, Canada, just a lot of different places.
1: Tell us your most interesting story about the construction of one of your pieces, like something funny that happened, something that was challenging, something memorable. I mean, you tell me your favorite story about, uh, about your experiences doing this.
0: You know, we do meet a lot of characters, I have to say. <laughs> and, and, of course, that makes your life interesting. Uh, one time we were working in England, and, uh, you know, we get there and I start setting up for it and a fellow comes out of his house across the street he walks up to the site and asks me what we were doing and you know I say like oh this is what we're doing and I said well I'll see you later he said oh I'm not going anywhere he goes home and gets a chair and he just parks it right behind me and he just talks constantly (laughs) and so a group of women come down the street and they say um Uh, We see that you have Bingo Billy sitting over there behind you. You're not giving him any money, are you? I said, of course I am. I give him a pound a day not to say one word to me.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a great story. (laughs) Okay, one last question before I let you go, because I know you're off, I think you said, to California for your next venture.
0: That's exactly right. Going out and uh, going to enjoy uh, California weather. That,
1: that's good. So, so let's leave with this. What has been your wish come true project and why?
0: Well, I would say I love working in Hawaii for the weather, uh, but one of the significant ones that I remember is working at the uh, in Washington D.C. and at the Renwick Gallery. That was a large sculpture show with about I think nine sculptors from around the United States and bit of prestigious, uh, you know, to be able to get to work there. And, you know, I was given a 100-by-50-foot room and uh, had to fill it with something that was interesting. And so I, uh, we worked there for three weeks, and, you know, our material had to be searched by the Secret Service and all the things that go on if you work across the street from the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it turned out to be – Hugely successful and over a million people visited the show. Mm. And uh I've got a nice picture of Michelle Obama and the Swedish minister um you know, kinda of playing hide and seek in the work itself. So I felt like that was a great, great possibility there.
1: Wow, that's that's really something. That again, I, I invite people to go to your site to see these amazing works. I mean, they're just breathtaking. Again, that's stickwork.net. And coming up, I'm going to tell you how you can volunteer. But for now, Patrick, thank you so much for being here and putting art in our heart.
0: Well, thank you. And thanks for uh, talking to me.
1: So I just wanted to add an environmental note on all this. And I thank the town of Kerry for providing this information. As Patrick mentioned, some of the willow he uses comes from a farm in Canada that grows willow for fences, basket-making, biofuels, and planting of willows on degraded sites. The company, Group Ramo, is a circular economy model, production of cuttings, planting of willows on degraded sites, recovery of wastewater management fertilizing residual materials, manufacture of fences and noise barriers, erosion projects, and the production of RCW mulch. The predominant environmental benefit from utilizing willow biomass as an energy source is the reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. The carbon dioxide emitted by the combustion or conversion of willow biomass to energy is the same CO2 absorbed by the plant, during its growing period, making this a CO2-neutral process. And now, as promised, here is how you can get involved in this once-in-a-lifetime volunteer opportunity to work on Cary's Willow Art Sculpture. Go to townofcary.org, townofcary.org, and employ their sign-up genius on this. Now, as you know, at the end of every Triangle 411 show, we feature a non-profit or make-a-difference organization. Being how we are talking environment, I thought I would just stick with the Town of Cary and give you a heads-up about their support of conservation. The Town offers environmental volunteer options to help keep Cary clean. And forever green and clean. So, glean, clean, and green. Their award winning programs, including Adopt a Spot and Spruce, connect thousands of volunteers every year with diverse service opportunities. And again, that happens by visiting townofcarry.org. Well, it's time to high five and say goodbye. Catch us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 be kind hearted.